You are listening to The State of Sustainability, a podcast that highlights sustainability initiatives throughout the state and develops a casual conversation about environmental stewardship that the average person can understand and replicate. I'm your host, Caleb Powell. And I'm your co-host, Ashley Capra. Today on the pod, we are continuing our Sustainable City series, um, where we'll be highlighting cities across the state and their sustainability initiatives, their um, history when it comes to, you know, how the cities have um, historically been with sustainability, uh, and then, you know, where everybody's going. So um, our next sustainable city for this and this month's podcast is over Nashville. Yeah, and uh, I know we had a hiatus last month. It could be because our host is married now. Whoop, whoop. I just wanted to throw that out there. Congratulations to you, Caleb. Thank you. Um, they had a just... Wow, beautiful photos in Arizona, right? I got that right. Yep. Arizona. Yep, right outside yes. of Phoenix. Yes. So, man, that it it looks gorgeous. Uh, I'm sure it was hot in his velvet suit, but it, um, it actually wasn't that bad. You know, it was the, the start middle or shoot. When did I get married? November sixth. So the, <laughs> the the early part of November. Um, it got warmer during the day, but it was it was. It was perfect weather. I think that's the perfect time to go out to the desert is, um, you know, fall time. Yeah, so I wanted to throw that in there and um, just say congrats and make sure all of our listeners knew that uh, you are now a married man. So Off um, the market. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but back to our podcast. So, yeah, there's so much going on in Nashville um, through local government. Uh, local organizations, businesses, and it seems like everyone does at least one thing uh, to help the environment. Yeah, I mean, and I feel like that's one of, the, uh, hopefully a reason that um, our listeners listen to the podcast is figuring out different ways that they can, um, you know, help out the environment. Everybody wants to, everyone wants to have clean air, uh, you know, clean water to drink, um, that you don't want to be walking around and with trash all around you. So like, uh, everyone wants that. It's just how, um, finding out how, you know, you as a person, um, can use your skills or, or what you do to, to sort of be a positive impact on the environment. So hoping that we are good examples for that and, um, excited to, to talk about the, the different sustainable cities and, you know, not saying that, some are more sustainable than the others, but we just are highlighting the different initiatives that um, some of the different cities around the state have going on. So, yeah, and and Nashville in particular. Um, so, you know, they they seem to always be leading the way uh, with whatever initiatives they have going on, and um, we're going to be you know highlighting those initiatives today and seeing where they're going for the future and. You know, they really look at, at you know, other states uh, to see what, what are they doing. Because um, even though Nashville is a, you know, city, um, it's, you know, near our capital or central in Tennessee, they really look outside to get just some perspective. Um, and also, you know, they have a network of partnerships with all the other cities in our state as well. Um, that I really think helps contribute to that. So we're really excited to share all this. We have... Uh, an exciting, important guest uh, that Caleb will introduce in a moment, but we're really excited for you to hear what's going on and and see how it can help you if you're in the Nashville area. All right, and so we're very excited to have 
a very important guest uh, on the on the podcast today. It was actually our very first um, guest for the podcast, episode one, I think, episode one or two. Um, but Dr. Kendra Apkowitz, uh, she is our guest today. How are you doing, Dr. Apkowitz? Yeah, and so, you know, it's it's bittersweet. Uh, we love having Kendra on here, but she's no longer our fearless leader. She's taken an, a new position. Um, she uh, currently serves as the Chief Sustainability and Resilience Officer for the City of Nashville um, in the office of uh, Mayor John Cooper, where she works across Metro Department's programs and services to further sustainability and resilience actions that contribute to livability in Nashville and the Middle Tennessee region. So, you know, she's, uh, I don't want to say on to bigger and better things because we got some good stuff going on in our office, but um, she, uh, she took this new position and we're very happy that we still get to work with her um, and excited to see all the great things that she does for uh, the Middle Tennessee and, and the Metro Nashville area. Um, the feeling is mutual. Um, so, yeah, it, it makes it a little bit sweeter that we still get to work with you, um, so... Um, I wasn't too upset whenever you uh, left because I knew we'd still get to, you know, some overlapping, um, um, you know, projects and programs and stuff like that. So that's right. Plenty of opportunity to work together. So I wanted to talk a little bit. I mean, if you go back to episode one, which if you haven't listened to it, it's a it's a a, a very good episode, um, and we talk a little bit about Kendra's. Uh, her her bio if you will but uh some things have changed so i wanted to go over a little bit more about her and then we will jump right into um our episode um so currently in her her new role her, a lot of topics that she's engaged in um includes but are not limited to uh clean energy waste reduction and diversion transportation electrification low impact development flooding and stormwater management multimodal transportation, green buildings, and other activities to mitigate and, and adapt to um, climate impacts. Um, like we were talking about before, uh, prior to this role with the city of Nashville, she served as the assistant commissioner and director of policy and sustainable practices from 2015 to 2021 um, at uh, TDEC. And there she worked with communities, businesses, academic institutions, and other stakeholders to deal with pressing environmental challenges statewide and increase sustainability through non-regulatory actions. Um, so the list goes on and on and on. Kendra is an amazing person. She's very well equipped. Um, and she, I think, in my opinion, is um, a, 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 one of the main powerhouses in the state for uh, for sustainability. So super excited to have you on Kendra. Um, I would read more but of, of your stuff, but uh, my time with TDEC and my time with uh, Mayor Cooper's office are the most important things right now. So, But um, like I said, I could go on and on and on. She's um, somebody that I really look up to uh, in the sustainability and environmental world. And uh, hopefully one day I can be as, uh, as big of an impact as she is. So yeah, like I want to echo what Caleb said. Excited to have you on. Um, but let's go ahead and just jump into talking about Nashville and all of the awesome sustainability things going on. Um, before we get into you know current initiatives, I wanted to ask. Um, so historically, how has Nashville's sustainability initiatives ranked in comparison to other Tennessee cities? 
So that's a really, really good question. I think Nashville over time has taken several really important actions to either commit to or further sustainability in recent years. And for the most part, those tend to be in alignment with many of the best practices that cities across the country have taken. Um, you guys know this for working with me for quite some time. Um, it's hugely important to take a look at what our peers are doing um, when um, we decide how we want to move forward as a city. And so when compared to our Tennessee city peers, Nashville tends to be near the front of the pack for adopting sustainability actions. Um, I think sort of being, um, you know, centrally located um, and uh, at the Capitol, um, a lot of times we are um, one of the leading voices in sustainability. So we're either one of the first adopters or sometimes we'll be working in concert with our peers to learn from their experiences where they may do something um, before us. Um, I think healthy competition is a good thing. Um, and so if we're not necessarily first to do something, um, I think there's still a lot of benefit to us learning um, from other folks, whether that be, um, you know, Knoxville, Chattanooga, Memphis, or even some of the smaller cities across the country to be able to learn um, from their leadership in this space. Um, I think the other thing that's really important is you know, we really try to take steps here in Nashville to implement actions that are in the city's best interest and customized based on the sustainability and resilience opportunities and challenges at play here. Um, our access to resources and of course, local, state and federal political context. And so um, just because uh, a sustainability action may be a good fit in one city may not mean it makes sense for Nashville's. And so I think taking that customized approach uh, based on what we see happening here um, is also equally as important. And so kind of striking that balance between healthy competition and making sure we're on the leading edge, but then also doing what's right for us um, will hopefully set us up for success now and in the future. Sweet. Um, and so, you know, Ashley sort of alluded to this being the next question, but um, I know you're, you're newer in your role um, with Nash or Metro Nashville, but I, I wanted to talk about some current initiatives. Uh, can you tell us about like a few sustainability initiatives that the city is doing, and and maybe like the benefits that you see uh, coming from those uh, for Nashvilleians? Absolutely. So I think um, you guys are really putting me on the spot eight <laughs> weeks into my role, uh, but. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I think one of the benefits about coming into this role is obviously um, I am following um, several great leaders um, who have really been carrying Nashville's sustainability efforts um, forward really for, you know, 20, 25, maybe even 30 years or longer, depending on how you want to define sustainability and the scope of that work. And so there's a bunch of work that's been done in the past. And then um, even if we look at the recent past, just over the past three to five years, we've really had some huge accomplishments or have put underway um, significant scopes of work that I think are going to benefit Nashvilleians. Um, I think all of these are gonna have myriad co-benefits. And so I'll kind of touch on that first before I go into the specifics. Um, but the vast majority, majority of these are going to have some sort of climate related benefits that touch on reducing greenhouse gas emissions, um, which has obviously environmental benefits in terms of um, helping out natural resources. Um, 
as well as public health benefits. So making this a healthier place um, for our citizens and residents, obviously to live, work and play. Um, several of these have ties to energy security and making sure that we have um, diverse resources to draw on as part of um, powering uh, businesses and homes. Um, and then a variety of these also touch on economic and community development as well. So we think about um, Nashville being kind of this booming economy and a place where the private sector wants to locate its businesses. Um, you know, Amazon recently set up major operations here as well as Oracle's recent commitment. And in large part, they're doing that because they see this um, as a great environment to work in, um, both from a business environment, but also um, sort of a local um, energy and environmental and livability environment. So I think all of these um, all of these activities touch on, on each of those co-benefits as well as some cost benefits. So moving on to kind of some recent things that we've tackled and accomplished or again committed to in the sustainability space, we've really been ramping up our efforts um, to look at uh, acquiring energy resources from renewable energy sources. And so one of the most significant investments we've made um, is uh, developing a utility scale solar power array in partnership with Vanderbilt University, Nashville Electric Service, and the Tennessee Valley Authority. And the reason why we did this is not only was it the right thing to do, but it really helped us in sourcing our general operations as metro government. Um, getting us closer to sourcing those operations with 100% renewable energy. And so this is a big deal to us um, in terms of, as I mentioned, reducing greenhouse gas emissions and also signaling that, um, you know, a clean energy transition is important to us as a city and um, as an operating government. Um, we've kind of continued that work and not only investing in that utility scale solar power, but also trying to install solar panels where it makes sense on our metro government operations uh, facilities. So some of those are going to be um, police departments or fire departments. Um, others could be looking at those installations um, on metro water services plants. So really trying to identify those locations that are well suited for solar power generation and um, making that a priority when we renovate or construct those new facilities. We've also um, taken quite a bit of uh, attention and focused that on, again, sort of the operations of our facilities in terms of energy efficiency. So we created an energy savings program um, that really sought to reduce energy consumption at cost and cost at our metro facilities across the city. Um, and then established a revolving loan fund that allowed us to invest resources in some of the poorest energy performers um, to make those energy efficiency improvements and then savings associated with those improvements are then reinvested back into the revolving loan fund. Another area where we've recently focused quite a bit of attention is um, restoring tree canopy. So I mentioned earlier that We've seen a real boom in terms of economic and community development um, in, in commercial as well as housing markets. And so while that's a really, really great thing for our local economy, um, sometimes that can have impacts on our natural resources and particularly our tree canopy. 
So we, in recent years, have um, put forth several executive orders and local ordinances to uh, further tree protections um, uh, during the course of um, land use decision making. And then we recently passed an ordinance with council just about a week ago that creates a consistent revenue stream for tree canopy restoration. So trees are hugely important in terms of um, contributing to water quality, managing flooding and stormwater, and then also creating natural resource habitat for critters. And so um, being able to make sure we're reinvesting in that tree canopy that may go away is really, really important from a variety of different perspectives. Um, and then finally, about two years ago, we formed um, a sustainability advisory committee to really help inform how we're thinking about dealing with um, climate change mitigation actions moving forward. So in government, we recognize that we have a variety of different technical resources and policy tools and financial resources available to us. But we also know that there are a variety of um, subject matter experts and very passionate and enthusiastic individuals in our community who also have really great ideas, creative solutions, and also access to tools that can help us execute on this work. And so we have now for two years um, been working closely with that sustainability advisory committee to identify um, some real tangible actions um, that we can execute in the next two years moving forward. And so I'm very excited about working with them as well. So that's just a couple of things that we've really accomplished in past years um, and um, are great foundations for work moving forward. That's awesome. Um... A few things I actually didn't know about. Um, I do have a question about the, the enhancing the tree canopy, and I'm sorry if I missed this, but um, as far as the ordinance, um, how um, does it include in any way residents? Like, I, I know there's some organizations in Nashville that um, it's almost like um, almost like tree donations that these um, these organizations can give to residents. Um, particularly where uh, it was affected by the tornadoes uh, in last year. Um, but does the ordinance that y'all passed or, or anything that y'all are doing allow for residents to take advantage of that? Sorry if that question's a little... Um, no, it's a, it's a great question. So um, one of the interesting things is we have, as Metro government, you know, we can directly um, involve ourselves in kind of tree plantings on public properties. We can't necessarily force directly um, tree plantings on non-public properties. And so the way we actually typically execute on that to try to, again, extend ourselves in, in one way or another to the residential community or to non-public properties um, is through a partnership program known as Root Nashville. So I mentioned an ordinance that created a consistent revenue stream for restoring tree canopy and actually that's where those dollars go so they go from our um, metro water services stormwater division um, kind of to this program known as route nashville um, which is then a partnership with nonprofit entities throughout nashville um, and they actually then work um, with their full-time program coordinators as well as volunteers in communities across nashville um, to recruit essentially residents um, who want to volunteer to plant trees on their property. Um, and so you mentioned um, recent efforts to try to uh, plant trees in areas that may have been significantly impacted 
by recent extreme weather events, and that has been a focus area of the Root National Program. So trying to direct those resources and those trees for tree plantings in areas that were devastated by um, tornadoes, um, you know, a year, a year and a half ago. And so that's kind of how that works. Um, and that's why that consistent revenue stream is so important because it allows us to act um, through partners in ways that as government, we typically wouldn't be allowed to act. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a really smart way to go about that. So um, that would be creative sometimes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> So Kendra, I, you, you sort of alluded to, um, you know, the the while, while talking about the initiatives that you guys, you know, have been working on or are, are currently working on, you sort of alluded to setting yourself up or building the foundation for the future. Um, so what do you think, how do you think the initiatives that we have going on right now uh, will evolve or do you see any other type of sustainability initiatives coming down the pike uh, for the next, I don't know, say five years? Yeah, we're going to be super busy, um, or that's what I'm telling myself. <laughs> if I can directly control it, we're going to be super busy. Um, so, as I mentioned, yes, we've put a lot of great work into action, um, really over the past, I would say, 20 to 30 years. Um, and I think we're going to see new opportunity to really tackle some significant scopes of work that touch on both sustainability and resilience moving forward. Um as it relates to foundations, again, that's hugely important, and I appreciate you noting that, Caleb. I think where we have really excelled historically is, again, in leading by example. So, you know, making sure that Metro government is trying to be sustainable and resilient in its operations and decision makings, and really where um, we need to extend ourselves moving forward is, is throughout the community and in terms of trying to compel action um, amongst businesses, um, you know, residential environments, NGOs, um, academia, and, and all other um, folks who are, are hugely critical to Nashville and, and the city that we are. And so I think with each of these different initiatives, there's obviously going to be a really critical lead by example or metro government operations component. And then there's also going to be a really significant community component. And so a couple of things that I've already earmarked as being huge emphasis areas moving forward. Um, um, I'll, I'll quickly touch on those. So one is looking at alternative fuel vehicles such as electric vehicles, compressed natural gas, as well as hydrogen fuel vehicles for our fleets. Um, so when you look at Metro government operations, we have um, a whole host of light duty vehicles um, that we use to um, make Metro government do what it does. And then we also have some heavy duty fleets. Um, think of mass transit buses that support WeGo, Metro National Public School school buses, um, and a whole host of other um, heavier duty vehicles that, that again, support operations um, through things like uh, NDOT, our Department of Transportation, as well as waste services. So trying to figure out how we can convert um, those vehicles to a more environmentally friendly alternative fuel where possible. And that's not going to be a one-size-fits-all solution. It's going to be electric in some circumstances that may be clean diesel in others or hybrid or compressed natural gas or hydrogen fueled. But we're really going to be focused on, again, trying to find the right alternative for each of those different operations so that when we're um, providing services to Nashvilleians, we're doing that in a way that, that tries to minimize those environmental impacts. 
We'll also be looking at installing EV infrastructure across the community. And why that matters is it will further adoption of electric vehicles throughout Nashville. Um, so one of the most significant barriers to EV adoption is something known as range anxiety. And so one way to try to address that is to make sure that EV infrastructure is accessible. So we'll be working with a variety of partners, both in the private sector and academia, as well as Nashville Electric Services and the Tennessee Valley Authority to kind of figure out what um, dispersion of charging infrastructure really needs to look like um, to put us on the next level. Um, I also mentioned uh, the importance of installation of on-site solar. So there are various um, ordinances in place that um, hold us accountable to um, a commitment to basically uh, source all of Metro government um, operations through 100% renewable energy. And so we recognize that while we've taken great steps to get us there, we need to do a lot more to, um, to actually execute and fulfill that commitment. And so we will be embarking on a major on-site solar assessment to try to understand, again, the best locations for looking at installation um, of solar panels um, throughout our facilities. Um, construction and demolition recycling, as well as food waste reduction and diversion, will continue to be priorities. So that's an area where that's been a huge focus area for about five years, and we'll really be ramping up our efforts um, on both of those moving forward to make sure that, again, we're doing everything possible um, to keep those materials out of our landfills and then recognize higher and better uses for those particular material streams. Um, also, as most folks know, there's a whole host of um, funding opportunities available at the federal, state, um, and, and, and local level uh, to support projects protecting and preserving natural resources, furthering um, electric vehicle infrastructure and kind of achieving clean energy goals, water infrastructure, resilience, and that's just touching on a couple of the different um, areas where there will be uh, financial resources available. And so one of the things I'll be doing in my role is really thinking across our metro departments and all the different funding opportunities that may be available to them to figure out how to put a sustainability lens on those projects. Um, so even if it's not a specific pot of funds that's specifically de uh, dedicated to sustainability projects, is there a way we can take a sustainable approach to that project and what it funds um, to really maximize how we're taking care of our community? And we'll be doing all of that in partnership again with the business community, nonprofits, and local residents to make sure that they're engaged throughout the process and that we're investing in projects that um, they're supportive of and that they feel are having a good um, and positive impact on the community. So that's just a couple of priorities that we've identified to date. Um, there will be many, many others moving forward. That's exciting. It's always great to, um, you know, hear, especially, you know, for our listeners in, in the area. Um, it's just like a, a breath of fresh air knowing that, you know, we've got somebody like you leading the way um, and that all, all the things that you just mentioned, you know, are in y'all's you know, line of sight and that's something that you're thinking of. So, um, well, I think, you know, that that basically sums up, you know, where we where Nashville's sort of been, where we currently are and where we're going um, with sustainability. And so, you know, 
we 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 miss you like crazy, Kendra. But it's it's hard to be sad about you um, being gone, seeing and hearing all the the great things that you've got going for, um, coming up for you know Nashville and and for the state uh, as a whole. So um, we wanted well, to take- thank you. I miss you guys too, and it takes a village though. So there, I think each of the things I noted either the historic actions or kind of current ongoing actions or things that we've teed up for the future. I think have a huge um we can't do any of it alone and they have sort of huge state involvement um as well as as i mentioned all our various partners and communities so thank you guys for what you do um to allow those of us at the local level to do this work yeah and you know i'd be remiss without saying uh you know this podcast is really a thing because of you you know you believed in uh ashley and i's idea to start it so um it's just it's really satisfying to have you back on here, and I'm sure we'll have you on here again. Uh, this is, I think, the 30th episode. So, um, but we we wouldn't be here without you, Kendra. So super appreciative and um, excited to see what what uh, what comes next. So awesome. Well, thanks for having me. Happy to share updates at any time. The Ranger Report, brought to you by the Tennessee State Parks, fun and adventure naturally all right so we are back with our ranger report we're super excited um to have marley uh gibbs with us today she is a ranger at bicentennial capital mall state park did i say that right marley yeah okay we were having i was having trouble with that earlier um it's quite a quite a mouthful uh for such a small park but we're we're very excited to have you on here and uh we really just are thankful that you took time out of your busy schedule to to come talk to us about your park so what I wanted to do is first we wanted to talk about you to get a little bit more information on on who you are um, and so if you wouldn't mind just sort of explaining how you got into the the state park system and and how you got to to the park that you're at now. All right well I'm Marley Gibbs I was actually a seasonal interpretive ranger at Chickasaw State Park in West Tennessee and also at Natchez Trace State Park before I became a ranger so I was actually in state parks for two years before I became a ranger and I actually did nine interviews before I came to Bicentennial Capital Mall State Park, um, which actually ends up being closer to my house. Um, so that's nice. Um, and I've always wanted to be a park ranger since I was little. I grew up around Rock Island at Fall Creek Falls State Park and I did everything with my family there. Um, most weekends, that's where we were. And so I just got, um, I guess used to being at state parks and being outdoors and I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Awesome. Yeah. And you know, I feel like that's sort of what I hear all more than, more than not is, you know, you sort of get into that seasonal position. Uh, we have these rangers that grew up around these parks and have always, you know, been going to them and you know, camping and hiking. And, um, you know, it, it makes me feel like maybe I'm in the, the wrong profession because I, I I grew up going to all the state parks too and you know I don't get to go to them as much as I'd like but um, but really excited to have you on here and, and thankful for all all that you do um, so I wanted to go on and talk about like the short history of the park we always usually talk about what the park was before uh, it became a state park and you know your park Bicentennial Capital Mall State Park it's a little bit different um, than the others, wouldn't you say? Um, it's it's right in the the heart of of downtown Nashville. Maybe not the heart, but you know, just 
right, right in the, the metro area. And so could you talk to us a little bit about what the park was before it became a state park and, and, and when it became a state park? Yes. So the areas between the Capitol and the Cumberland River were actually swampy areas. So um, beneath the park is actually a spring, and so it's actually known as um, the French Lake to early settlers. And so it actually attracted wildlife and people um, to the area for like thousands of years. They did uh, fur trading, and then we also had Native Americans here before anybody else was here hunting um, animals. And then whenever the city started growing um, because of the fur trade, and so during like the 1950s and 60s national experience and urban building boom that began to follow the state capitol building and so the park was actually created um to protect the view of the capitol from being lost to development so that way you can actually still have a view of the capitol building and then also boston town capitol mall was a celebration of the state 200th birthday oh wow um you know uh, we always talk about what's the the state park that we've been to the most, and um, I'd say that probably your park is the one that I've been to the most since our our office is you know right down the road from it, at a, or not right down the road, a couple blocks from it. So um, anytime that it'd be nice out, I'd I'd go and enjoy you know lunch at the park. So I'd say that uh, Bicentennial Capitol Mall State Park is probably the one that I've visited the most, just because you walk through it to go to the the farmers market and. Um, it's just a nice way to sort of get in and, you know, see trees and, and grass when you're, you know, in the city. Um, so you, yeah, I would agree with the, sorry, I was going to say, I would, I would agree with that for sure. Um, and yeah, I, I grew up in this area like my whole life. And, uh, until I started working downtown, I was like, wow, there's a whole state park right here. Oh, and it's bigger than I thought. And, um, hate to, you know, uh, uh spoiler alert, but, or, but, um, there are I love the the bells at uh, at it's at one end of the park, and I never realized that was there until we did a, a service project in the park. Um, I think it was like two years ago. Yeah, those are those are super neat, and that whole little like area right there. And actually, it's funny that you say that. So like towards the end, you know, further away from the Capitol, um, at, there's how many Marley? How many um, bells are in that little circle area? So there's actually 95 bells to represent the 95 counties of the state of Tennessee. Oh, that is so cool. Um, and how often do they go off? Do they go off every hour or every half hour or? Uh, yes, so they go off every hour with a full song and then like every half hour they play like half of the song. Um, so normally um, they'll go off, um, I guess at the top of the hour was like one full song, but then um, at certain hours of the day, they'll play a couple, like a couple songs, maybe two or three full um, state songs. So. Yeah, it's really a treat getting to, to hear that. And actually, um, funny story, uh, my wife is a photographer and some of our good friends, um, we tricked them into thinking we were going to dinner at the farmer's market with them, but uh, my friend was actually proposing to his now fiance uh, right in the middle right there. And so it's such a beautiful view of uh, the city and the capital and just, um, that's just a, a great spot. So that spot's got a, a pretty special pretty special place in my, in my heart. Um, and we'll be, we'll be going in and going to their wedding next year at some point, but um, I just thought I'd throw that in there. So I wanted to talk about um, the park information. So, you know, just the basic information of the park. If somebody didn't realize that that was a state 
park or um, you know didn't know it was there or what it offers so you know I always like to ask if you put all of our 56 state parks into um, categories of small medium and large I'm gonna go ahead and guess that Bicentennial Capital Mall State Park is classified as probably a small one correct size wise Yes, it's actually the smallest state park. Oh wow! So, what is the do you know the acreage off the top of your head? Yes, it's nineteen acres. Oh wow, it's bigger than I thought it was. I wouldn't even have thought it was that many. Um, and so, um, and then we we already mentioned this quite a bit, but for somebody that doesn't know, uh, if you're looking at a map, and you already you already mentioned this, but it is right down the hill from the Capitol um, in downtown Nashville. So. Um, and it's really neat, all the different things. Uh, you can see all the different counties. You can walk around the park and see all the different counties. You can see all like a timeline of Tennessee um, with all of the different you know historic events that have happened. And um, it's really just a, a if you if you haven't been, it, it's a it's a really great you know Saturday, a nice Saturday. Go walk around the park, see the history of the state, um, and then you even get to go to the 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 state library and the state museum it's all around that little area and, and then you could even eat at the the farmers market it's a whole package deal um so other than yeah i guess i sort of mentioned some of that stuff but uh what other type of activities would you say that you guys have um at your park okay so um the rangers actually we do programs so teaching people about things or doing like recreational things so I actually have a program later today, which is in the Carillon. Um, so I'm actually playing Christmas music on the bells um, for everybody at four o'clock. And so we do park tours, we do programs such as that. And then I also do, like I'm doing an ornament making tomorrow um, out of tree cookies from where we had that tornado and cut down trees. And so we didn't want it to go to waste. So we actually cut tree cookies and we're having people make ornaments out of them. Um, we're doing stuff like that. We do usually do stuff every month. And I've also been doing Women in the Wilderness every other month, which is coming up in January, which is me teaching women um, like camping skills so the way they can go camping by ourselves. Wow, that's really interesting. So, yeah, anybody out there that, you know, has been a little bit too nervous to go uh, camping and need, need somebody to, to teach them, make sure you uh, check that out. You, you guys have all that information on your website, correct? We do. And uh, do you have a Facebook page? We, we do have a Facebook page. It's um, Bicentennial Capital Mall State Park. Yeah, so, so definitely check that out. Um, they've got a lot of great stuff going on. And, and like Ashley mentioned a little bit ago, um, our office has actually done some service projects where we go and, and volunteer and, you know, um, pull weeds and, you know, help clean up uh, any litter that's a uh, that's around there so I don't know if you guys do any other types of volunteer um, have any other types of volunteer opportunities like that but um, it's a it's, the, the park is just a great um, place to to be able to see the beauty and see the history of Tennessee while you know not having to go too far um, especially if you live in the city so um, well other than that uh, is there anything else Marley that you wanted to mention about your park I mean, um, we actually have Weed Wrangle coming up to the Butterfly Garden March 5th as one of our volunteer days. And then we also have New Year's Eve coming up on the 31st of this month, um, which is a free event people can come to. Um, so we'll be 
dropping the music note um, here at the park. And so anybody's welcome to come. I think we're going to have um, a couple bands here playing music before um, that happens. So anybody's welcome. Well, I might have to. Well, we just got a new house, so my wife is making me host a, a, a New Year's Eve party, which I'm not too excited about in the new house. But um, but if I if I wasn't doing that, then I'd definitely um, head on down, or I guess head on up from where I'm at to uh, to come join you guys. Um, well, Marley, thank you so much for everything you do uh, for the Tennessee State Park System, and more specifically, your park, Bicentennial Capital Mall State Park. Um, we really appreciate you, and uh, we hope you have a good time. Hopefully, I'll, I'll get to come up to Nashville and, and see you sometime soon. If I My birthday is March 6th, so maybe I can be a part of the, the weed wrangling um, uh, on the 5th, the day before. Yes, it would be awesome. We're actually, I think, going to put in our bee house in the spring, too, sometime. So. Wow, that's super exciting. Well, thank you so much, and uh, have a good rest of your day and a great weekend. Yeah.